Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast where we examine the language, historical context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and across from me is Dr. Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. Well, I have only one this one, this week. It's Shabayah, and it comes from Shuv, means to return. So in this context, it means one who's returning back to God, basically, so a repentant one. Uh, it, it occurs in Isaiah 127, Zion will be redeemed with justice and her repentant ones with righteousness. So that's where it comes from, her repentant ones. Okay. So that's our word for today. And that's going to be crucial to the whole book because remember what I, I, I title, title it as, will Israel ever obey? And the answer is yes, but only a remnant and it'll take a lot longer than they thought it was going to. So that's why that's going to be crucial to the whole book. Yeah, the idea of the remnant's a pretty big theme. Yes. Theme that comes up a lot. Uh, now back into the text. Let's hear the let's hear the word one more time. It's Shabaya. Uh, Sabia. Sabia. Uh huh. And it comes from shuv, which yeah. is a shuv would be the verb form of yeah. the word, and it means to return. To return. Okay, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Well, that is a great way to get into the text, and that's the exciting thing about <laughs> this episode. We've gotten through all the intro stuff, and now we're getting into into the meat of it. Our first episode of the text, we're going to be looking at the whole chapter, the first chapter of Isaiah, which is a contained section, a contained unit, right? We had yes. uh, two major uh, divisions we saw in the book, right? Mm-hmm. First one is 1 through 39. Yep. Second is 40 through 66. Yeah. And then in each of those, there's like three subsections, right? Okay. And our first unit in the first half, I guess, the first division, okay. that's only chapter one, right? Yep. So we're looking at a whole unit, basically. Yeah. And we can see it by the introduction. So if you look at uh, chapter one, verse one, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So that that basically is a same introduction as you'll see in almost all the prophets. I mean, they have that same kind of introduction like this. What's unique about Isaiah is it has three of these. They don't always have the date, but they always say Isaiah, the son of Amos. Well, you already knew who he was. You right. know? So in chapter two, that has the same thing. Let, let me just read two for you. Hmm. It says, the word which Isaiah, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So it sounds quite similar to the other, just doesn't give the dating. And then the third one is in chapter 13, verse one which says the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos saw. So it seems like to me, what we're doing is we've got three basic introductions to the book. And it's, it seems like to me what they're doing is they're, they're showing the units, uh, the bigger mm. units, the major units. And it seems like we've got a great way to divide the book then because we've got these major sections and we're going to see how those sections hold together. And the first one is chapter one. Yeah. And my guess is that these were written at different times and somehow some point put together. And we know that Isaiah is not chronological because if you go back to chapter mm. one, I'm pretty sure we can date this part of it to 701 because it is explaining oh, okay. the situation real clearly. Chapter two has that section of what's called the Isianic memoir in it. Mm -hmm. And that's it, it's his call and commission is how oh, it starts. Right. That's probably about 740. And if this uh, chapter one is about 701, we now yeah. know it's not in chronological order. Yeah, right. I think there right. are themes that are going to come through that will help us. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you think there's anything to this? Like, do you think chapter one, 
I mean, I guess, yeah, because chapter one would be significantly shorter than the other sections. Is it kind yes. of an introductory yep. chapter I think it's as an, well? I think it's an introduction to the whole book, actually. Yeah. And then it was put on, not actually even at the beginning, but later on, mm. it was put on there uh, to pull the the whole book together, I it's think. It's still Isaiah's work. It's not like a separate author being right. put on here. Right, but, but it's kind of put together to kind of introduce the themes we're going to be seeing through the whole book. And remember, we talked about Isaiah, he prophesies over his lifetime, and yeah. remember his lifetime was like 60 years. Right, So right. there's going to be pro oracles given throughout his lifetime that that's why it's going to look like there are sections in it. And, and I don't know, maybe uh, Calvin thought that uh, once he gave an oracle, he wrote it down and then hammered it on the temple door. We have no idea if that's really how it happened, but <laughs> but if that's true, then that, that would explain why you've got these units yeah. uh, separated throughout the book. And then at some point, I believe Isaiah joins them together yeah. and makes it into a unit. Yeah. Okay. That oh, and cool. I don't know if you remember, do you remember that chapter one has a lot of uh, seams or themes and units? that are uh, similar to chapters 65 and 66. Yeah, right, right. So I think that's also happening, a pulling together of the book because of what's in chapter one. And, and a lot of times the things are talked about in chapter one, and then you get the, almost like their answer in chapters 65 through 66. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, and that'll help pull the book together too. Yeah, it kind of bookends it in a way. Yeah. Let's look at what the first verse is. Yeah. Notice it's giving a, it's giving us some dates. Well, first of all, I, I I highlighted the word vision because when we think of a vision, we think of like chapter six where Isaiah yeah, sees a graphic. vision of God, yeah, right? Right. But but that's that's only in chapter six. The rest of it is not really like that. So mm. the word is used in a more general sense as okay. a, a message from God, I think. Mm. And so that's probably what it is meaning here. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to make sure you knew Isaiah the son of Amos. It's not the it's not Amos in the book. Yeah, uh, it's a different guy. Yeah. So I, it, it, people could get mixed up on that. I just <laughs> that's a good, make sure. No, that's a good detail. <laughs> okay, and then now it's concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So notice it doesn't say Israel or right. Samaria uh -huh. when this oracle is given. Apparently, Israel's already gone. Mm. The Northern Kingdom. Remember, it goes in seven twenty two. Yeah, and if this this first chapter is dated to seven oh one. That's after uh, Israel's already gone. So yeah. it makes sense that he's just talking about. And when you say gone, Judah. what exactly? Remember that, the, that's like into Assyria or yeah, like Yeah, they're taken into captive into Assyria and Samaria yeah. is pretty much destroyed. Okay. Now I wanted to also help you. In chapter six, it says, in the year that King Uzziah dies. Mm. Okay. So if that's 740 or 739, then, then that could be the only thing that uh, Isaiah prophesies in Uzziah's time period. Oh, sure. So, so it's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's got his death. And so he's listed right. here as part of the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. prophesying during his time. Yeah. And then it goes down to Hezekiah's time. And remember, we looked at the last thing that's in the book itself that Isaiah probably would have known about is when Esarhaddon uh, gets put placed on the throne in oh. 681. Right, right. So so it's very possible he goes all the way down there. And so Hezekiah, he's probably got a lot of prophesying during his time, probably. Yeah. Only one year in Uzziah's time, but quite a bit in the rest of these kings. Then. Yeah. Oh, and these notice are all kings of Judah. Yeah. And he makes it real clear that yeah. Israel's pretty much gone by then. Yeah, because he would have probably said kings in Israel, yeah. presumably. Okay. So that's, I wanted you to see that because that's pretty uh, similar to almost all the other prophets. They mm -hmm. often will give dates like this. And, and that makes some sense, right? If you're going to date something back at that time, you wouldn't say, 
Well, Amos does say um, uh, two years after the the earthquake, and I'm going, well, when was the earthquake? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So it's easier for him today and better for him today during yeah. the times of the kings because yeah. most people wouldn't know when those were. Right. And you said the other introductions in Isaiah don't necessarily have dates on it. This, yeah. Does that make this one kind of this fairly is unique. unique? Yep. This is definitely the fullest one too. Yeah. yeah. Do you think this introduction refers to... Primarily chapter one in Isaiah or the whole book? I think it's the whole book, actually. Notice it's put on later after. And and some of the themes that we're talking about are going to pull themes from all over the book. It's interesting. Chapter one is going to go through and tell us certain themes. Then chapters two through four are going to go into more detail of those themes. And then five through 12 is going to even go into more detail. So you're going to see these themes or these themes over and over again. Yeah. All right. So that's chapter one, verse one. And then remember, we talked about the introductions. Mm -hmm. I I think if you look at verse one or two, you're going to see that this is a courtroom scene. So verse two says, listen, O heavens and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. So I'm I'm going to argue that the heavens and earth are going to be the witnesses. Mm. And and think about it, they'd be pretty good witnesses because they've been there during all the, of history. So they've seen yeah. what Israel's done. Yeah. So God's going to be the judge and Israel's going to be the defendant and Israel's going to look pretty bad by the end of this. Well, and I think we mentioned in the last episode, one of the reasons this makes sense as a prophecy is like the witnesses of Israel. We're talking about yes. generations of Israel. So yeah. the to have witnesses that are outlasting Israel probably makes a lot of sense, or at yeah. least that precede Israel. Exactly. So having the heavens and the earth, yeah. we saw Israel right as they come out of Egypt and right. and how God protected them and all that. And then their rebellion as they're going through history, I think makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. heavens and the earth are going to be able to see that. Yeah. Do you find these kind this kind of model of like a courtroom kind of... There's, Does this show up anywhere else in the Old Testament? Yeah, uh, Amos has one. Okay. Uh, and they're not real common, but yeah. but you do see them regularly, a courtroom scene. And this one actually is pretty clear. Look what it says. For the Lord speaks, sons I have reared and brought up, for they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, a donkey is master's manger, but Israel does not know, may people do not understand. So I think that's the charge. So here's mm. here's God giving the 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 charge against Israel and what they've been doing wrong. Yeah. That's pretty tough. I mean, it, the nice thing would be yeah. to say interesting, I think, but that's yeah, pretty yeah, yeah, tough yeah. imagery, really, yeah. right? Like children coming up against their parents and then... Yeah. Even an animal knows. Yeah. I, know. I think that's the brilliant image, isn't it? Here, yeah. here, an, an ox knows its owner or a, yeah. a donkey is master's manger. They feed them all the time, so there becomes yeah. a personal connection to them. It's been just opposite for Israel. Right. God was doing feeding, taking care of them, and instead of being kind to them, they've rebelled against him and gone after other gods. And and one of the places says they've despised the Holy One of Israel. Mm-hmm. So they've they've not only pushed him away, they've gone that next step of not only rejecting him, but it's now a... despising him. Right. Right. Which back in that time, that would be, that'd be despicable. Having a child that rebelled against their parents, that was like the lowest of the low. Yeah. So to have Israel responding this way to God's kind care and all that is really amazing. Yeah. And not even meeting the lowest bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. an animal yeah. kind of gets this yeah. and understands the world, at least in this way. Isn't that a brilliant image though? It yeah. just catches us so off guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a strong charge. Yeah. 
So that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And now look at verse four. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. Can you see, we've got phrase after phrase of just, just saying how bad they are. And I'm pretty sure they're going, wait, why are we a sinful nation? What have we done? Yeah. Because later on, you're going to see that they they... They keep doing their rich, religious rituals. They're still right. offering sacrifices and stuff like that. But God says, it doesn't matter because you're doing it without your heart in it. Yeah. So it's despicable to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And he keeps going. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. That phrase, the Holy One of Israel, that occurs 25 times in the book of Isaiah, mm. 12 times in the beginning, uh, 1 through 39, okay. and 13 times in oh. the second part. Wow. So it's interesting. And and I actually think, I don't know if you remember chapter 6, where he sees that vision of God, yeah. and he sees the seraphim calling out, holy, right. holy, holy. I think that image that Isaiah got in chapter 6, he keeps throughout the rest of the book. And that's why that, ti- that title, the Holy One of Israel, really makes sense. He actually got to see the Holy One of Israel. Right. And, right. and here's these seraphim calling out, holy, holy, yeah. holy. It changed him. I think so. Yeah. I think it worked brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's kind of how it starts. He's given the charge. He's, he's basically explained pretty bad what they're doing. Now it's going to explain what God has done to try to bring them back to him. Right. So look at verse five. And this gets worse in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure does. This is, I mean, Israel's in a sad state. Yeah. Right. Where will you be stricken again when you continue in your rebellion? Your whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged or softened with oil. Let me just stop there. You have to think, how would God punish a nation of Israel? Mm. What do you think? I'm going to ask you, Ty. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, I think if... You're thinking about a whole nation. It's stuff that's going to affect everybody probably, right? Famine, I would imagine. Maybe getting like outside enemies coming in and crushing you, you know. Um, Probably any kind of what we may would think like a natural disaster now, flood or something like that. Several of these have been enemies coming in from the outside. Mm. So we've had the Syro-Ephraimite War, mm-hmm. which basically came against Israel, or it came against Judah. Then we've got Assyria coming through yeah. and wiping out the northern kingdom and then coming after Judah. Mm-hmm. So you've got these major players of countries coming through, and, and, and Israel looks like it's a beat-up child. Right. I often say this looks like child abuse, except God's the perfect father, and these children deserve it. And they, right. in fact, they don't get it. So what's right. happening is they're getting more and more beat up yeah. because they just don't get it. Right. In fact, he sounds kind of sad, like, where do I beat you now? I've already beat you from the top right. of the head You're to the already... bottom of the foot. Where else do you, yeah. where do you get it? Yeah. And, and it is interesting. Uh, the last part of verse six actually helps us to know how they took care of wounds. Notice oh, yeah. um, they, they don't press them out. They don't bandage them. They don't soften them with oil. Yeah. So those are the things that apparently they did back at that to time. To clean. To, yeah, to make sure the wound yeah, didn't heal. fester and get yeah, it all worse. Right, right. That's how they were taken care of. In and, fact, and they haven't done this. Y- Right, like that's kind of yeah, the, yeah. the metaphor here. Like they're yeah. they're so beat. Maybe they're not even aware. That's probably of true. The state yeah. that they're in, in yeah. a sense. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the punishments continue, right? Yeah. Now let's look at the the next one now. So the first one is kind of like an image. Uh, here's a child that's been beat up. Yeah. Okay. But the next one gets more specific. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your, your field strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is des- desolation as overthrown by strangers. Now that's starting to help us know when could that happen. Now, it only even that, up to that part, that's only happened about three or so times in Israel's history right. or in, like Judah's history. Yeah. So, so we would have it in 701. Mm-hmm. which would be pretty clear. Yeah. Um, maybe in five, um, 733 and 732 where Cyrus yeah. war came down, they, they did some significant damage there. Mm. And then and then 586, those are really the only times when we know of nations coming in and seriously destroying the land. Mm. Now it's going to even get more specific. So that helped narrow it down to about three times. Mm-hmm. But look at verse 8. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard. The Syro-Ephraimite war was one time when Judah could have been mm-hmm. pretty beat up. And then 701 would be another time when Judah would be dis, uh, significantly beat up. And then the Babylonian exile. Yeah. So those would be the major times when it could have happened. So he gets even more specific and says that Zion, which is Mount Zion, mm-hmm. so it sticks up. Yeah. Okay, look what it says. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Mm. So basically it's saying that it's sticking up above a destroyed uh, area. So that'd be like Jerusalem sticking up when everything else around it is destroyed. The only time that happened was 701. 701 is when Sennacherib came in, destroyed all the rest of the nation except Jerusalem. And God stepped in and protected them. Mm. So that would be that's a beautiful picture of 701, what it would look like. Yeah. And so that's actually helping us. Remember, I told you it's not in chronological order. Yeah, right. And, right. and so this will help us date chapter one pretty clearly. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Right, right, right. So that'll let us know not all of it's written at the same time, first yeah. of all, and they're out of chronological order. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So it, so it must be there's going to be themes that you're hearing. And when we get to the end, we'll kind of summarize what those themes were. Okay. Okay, there's one more. Look at verse 9. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. Means they'd be totally wiped out. Right. And, and I don't know if you remember, but in uh, when Snackrib comes... Hezekiah uses that exact same term if God would prov- protect the, the few survivors that are left. Mm. So it uses that same term for 701. Yeah. So that's kind of And, and this is our remnant, essentially, right? Exactly. These are our survivors. Yep. And Sodom and Gomorrah, of course, like loaded yeah. images in the Bible, yep. specifically for Israel, right? Yep. And now we're, <laughs> we're almost saying you'd be like them, right? Well, not only the next one, he's going to actually call them that. Think about this. That's like... That's like for 700 years. Okay, if Isaiah is in the 700s, and Moses, I think, wrote the Pentateuch about 1400, but this one goes back even to like more like Abraham's time, so like 2000 even. So that means like for about 700 years, the Sodom and Gomorrah has become an image of total destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And and they all knew the story. It made perfect sense to them. So when he says... You'd have been like Sodom and Gomorrah had I not stepped in and protected. That would make perfect sense to them. I, I imagine, if I can imagine with this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably almost how we think of, like in English, the good Samaritan. Sure. Samaritan really doesn't mean yeah. 
person from Samaria to us. Anymore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it kind of has the meaning of the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, a person who does good even when they don't have to, you know, or when it inconveniences them, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, whatever else that means. Sodom and Gomorrah, like that's, that's loaded language that means more than just the places Sodom and Gomorrah. This goes in the next verse and see, see what happens. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. <laughs> Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Remember, if this is a law scene and God is saying, "Okay, you people of Sodom and Gomorrah," think of think of how that would they would have felt about that. Yeah, they knew the story. They knew the history of what had happened. They then probably also knew that they deserved punishment too. Right. It's two levels, really. Yeah. It's connecting them to the evil, but it's also like, yeah. this is something that deserved to be totally yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Like there has been a remnant left, but that's not really, that's yeah. an act of mercy. God didn't even have to tell him anything, right? He could have yeah. just destroyed him. Yeah. But instead, he's doing everything he can to bring them back to him. He's punishing them. He's giving them messages. 701, if you remember, at the end of the day, he delivers Jerusalem. So right. that you would think that would have been wonderful image of here's a God that loves you so much he's willing to protect you and it's right, right. in the in in this context now of chapter one when that seven oh one made made perfect sense yeah and they still 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 don't get it still and yet this God is going to keep keep trying right that's that's amazing okay right. sorry <laughs> had no. to preach there for just a minute. <laughs> No, the the next session section gets into worship, detestable yes. worship, probably. Yes, how we describe it, right? And I I think you know just kind of doing a little bit of reading, it seemed like maybe there's two two big problems with their worship. One being it's not accompanied with a repentant heart. There's something empty about it. Yeah. And the other being that there's sin involved. There's something sinful about oh, what yeah. they've been doing. Right. You just wait till we see it. Yeah. Well, let's get let's, okay. Let's do it. All right. Look at verse eleven. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? So says the Lord. Now, so that's letting you know they're still doing it. They're called Sodom and Gomorrah, and yet they're still offering their sacrifices. Mm. So, so in some sense, they don't get it, do they? They right. figure that if I do this ritual, I'll be acceptable to God. Mm. And he's calling them Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, right. uh, rulers of Sodom and, and right. people of Gomorrah. So, so they really don't get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls or rams or goats. When you come before to appear before me, who requires of this this trampling of my courts? Now, that's interesting. I think Israel would have said, you did. Didn't, weren't you the ones that told us that we had to offer these sacrifices right. and stuff like that? Right. He's calling it the trampling of my court. So. They missed it. They they didn't yeah. realize that you had to connect the sacrifice with a hard attitude, yeah. or it actually does no good. Right. And and now it's make he's making it real clear. Um, liberal scholars used to argue, oh, what's going on here? Now now God's not uh, uh, asking to offer sacrifices. I think they totally missed what he's getting at. No, he still wants them to do it, but he wants them to know they have to be connected with a hard attitude, or they're worthless. They yeah. do absolutely no good. So do you think it's, would it be a fair comparison to compare this to like the Sermon on the Mount maybe, where it's kind of like Jesus keeps saying things like you've yeah. misunderstood you this. Like, yeah, stuff. you've, yeah. well, you've done things, yeah. you've thought like you haven't committed murder. 
yeah. but you've had anger in your heart. And like, mm. that's really, or yeah. we're, we're talking more about what's going on inside of you. Like you can, yeah, yeah. you can uphold a lot of things and make it look like everything's fine. But like that, yeah. it, it's meaningless if it's not reflecting what's going on inside of you. Yeah. Is that kind of the same idea? Yep. Yeah. In, in fact, I notice it started clear back here. So, so imagine, right. you know, if yeah. it's still happening in Jesus' day, that means they didn't get it. Right. So all the way along, he's, he's trying to grab their attention and say, hey, you guys, this is, this is not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to offer the sacrifices with the right heart attitude. You're supposed to have some, some sorriness for these, these sins you've committed. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, not Repent. to sermonize it too much. But it's still kind of yeah. the thing we're going through, right? No, you know? I agree. Like anytime we're, yeah, we have. I I feel like we uh, as Christians, I suppose, like we have this tendency to move towards. Or some of us have a tendency to move towards a, a legalism. Sure. And and, and some yeah. level that is a rejection of yeah. grace. Yeah. Right. And a try to separation. I can do this on my own. Mm. I can figure it out. Yeah. You know, I can obey all the right rules and laws, and then yeah, that means I'm okay, right? But it. Of course, that's not it doesn't, true. Yeah. yeah, of course, that's not true. And, and actually, if I assume the application for today is us going to church time after time, mm. ritual just doing it mm. without the right attitude. This, this often gets me when I'm, I'm going to church on Sunday. Is my heart right where it's supposed to be when I come before God right. to, to worship right. Him? And I right. think that's what it's getting at, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's move on to that, right. to that next part. The last image in here is something I hadn't hadn't put together before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, verse 13 says, Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Inc- uh, your incense is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. This is basically going through all the things that God had told him to do. Your offerings, offering of incense, new moon sacrifices, uh, Sabbath, all of those. Because it's just empty practice at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I cannot endure the iniquity in the, in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Now that's, is that the image you were that's talking the one. about? Yeah. 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 I don't think I had connected yeah. those two states or, or the two references to the hands as being yeah. one state that like, yeah. you know, you have your hands spread out in prayer and I'm going to like turn away from them because they're covered in blood. Yeah, now let's let's see what does that image mean. Yeah. That that covered in blood could mean they're offering the sacrifices with without a true heart attitude, right? Mm-hmm. But it could be more literally they're actually killing people. Right. Um they're starving the poor or not helping the orphan or something right. like that. And by that, remember back then there's no there's no government help. Yeah. So, so these guys, if they don't get charity from other people, other other God fears, they got them from no one. So no yeah. one helped them. Right. And so if they're if they're not able to eat and stuff like that, they're dying. At least I think it could be very well saying your hands are covered in blood. You've been ripping off these poor people so bad that they're they're starving. And and what makes you think that I'll listen to your prayers when your yeah. when your blood is right there? I see it. It seems yeah. like it because following this, yeah, he kind of you know we get the answer a way to clean yourself, yeah, and some of those are instructions are you know defend the orphan, plead for the yeah. the widow, like yeah. it seems like that's something that was obviously being yeah missed, and so I I, I would imagine that's probably a pretty good yeah. connection to make with the 
you know, in terms of bloodshed of just almost like a sin of omission or ignorance or something, or and not it, ignorance, but ignoring, yeah, you know. And I would even say even him. more than just ignorance, mm. I, I think they knew they were doing it. Because mm. um, later on, he's going to talk about collecting the, the fields from other people. Well, the only way they could do that is if people got into debt and then these guys were, were stealing their, taking their land to pay off this right. debt. Well, right. how'd they get into debt anyway? They were never supposed to charge us usury for another right. Israelite. Right. So, so something's going wrong here. Yeah. 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 Okay. Verse 12. 16. 16. Wash yourselves, make yourself clean, remove the evil deeds from my sight, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the, uh, the widow. See, See, those are things you can't hold somebody guilty for. Like, like defend the orphan. Okay, who's going to hold them responsible for not defending the orphan or, or pleading for the widow? That was, that was something you'd only do if you actually cared about them, right? Right. A, a judge is not going to say, oh, sorry, you didn't plead for the, the orphan, so you're going yeah, to yeah, yeah. jail. Yeah. There wasn't anybody to hold them responsible for that, yeah. but God can. Yeah. And I think that's what's going on here. He wants to see a change in their actions. Right. And, and so the wash yourself, make yourself clean, remove the evil. It, it starts off with, here's a picture of what needs to happen. You need to get mm -hmm. cleaned up. But then to demonstrate that you got cleaned up are these other things, seek justice, reprove the ruthless and stuff like that. So, so at first you're, he's telling you to get cleaned up, but then he says, now I want to see something from that. Yeah. I want to see how that affects your life. So that's interesting. Yeah. That would mean these are not ways to clean yourself. These are ways a clean person acts. Yes, That's yes. That's the distinction there, right? Yeah, 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 right. Right. Look at verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. That, that's an amazing statement when you think about it. Here's yeah. Israel who's continued to rebel against him right. and God's still going after them and asking them to come back to him. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing God. That's a very merciful it is. ask. Yep. Let us reason. Like, let's think about this together. Yeah. Man, if they if they do use any reason, they're going to know <laughs> they deserve judgment, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Mm. See, back at that time, snow and wool would have been the lightest things they knew. Yeah. So when you saw the the snow on the mountains, yeah. that would have that would have been a beautiful picture for them of cleansing. One thing that's also interesting, I've I've learned I've heard that red, this scarlet and stuff, is is the only thing you can't get out of material. That hmm. that it's a it's a it's a, a such a stain that you cannot get it out. Interesting. So he's saying the only way that's going to happen is if you come to me and though their sins are a scarlet, I can make them white as snow. Yeah, so, basically do the impossible. Yeah, yeah. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So that's like that's like God giving the the ultimate judge, you know, verdict. You know, you've got a choice here. You can mm. either uh, re, uh, obey and you'll eat the best of the land or refuse and look what's going to happen to you. You're going to be eaten by the sword. Yeah. It, it's a play on the word. Um, you know, hmm. you eat the uh, best of the land and then devoured. That's the same word. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, right. right so right. so it's like a play on words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually one that you can pretty well see in English yeah. too. I guess it's, yeah. it's about the meaning uh -huh. of the word, you know. Yeah. 
And then, and then when it says, truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken, I think that's him saying, this is the verdict. Yeah. So you've got a choice here. Yeah. It seems like to me, he's, he's now bent over backwards to help them. Yeah. And, and they can continue to rebel. Yeah. Because this is, this is just chapter one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It just bounces (laughs) off. Yeah. You know, it's funny is you're going to hear these themes over and over again. Yeah. All the way through the book. Yeah. And actually, they never get any better. But what happens is that God has more mercy each time. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to bring the remnant out of uh, yeah. the Babylon, but he does. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. So we've seen Mount Zion. That's that hill kind uh-huh. of thing. Then there's that vineyard. So the hut sticking hmm. out of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now here's here's that faithful city, Palistrophe. Okay. Now, now remember, I don't see these everywhere. But when we, when they're there, it's it is pretty yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, so let's. So it's and, from. And oh, just just to remind everyone. Oh yeah. Again, the palistrophe is kind of like it's kind of like a chiasm. Yes. There's a there's a kind of reflexive pattern to it, but there's yeah. something a core thing in the middle, yep. the main point that we're getting to. That's that's, right. that's the crucial thing. That's actually where the change comes. Mm. Th- this is actually going to be. It's going to start off uh, really good. Then it goes bad. Then it, God's. He declares there, and then he's going to clean things back up again. So uh, if you look at verse 21, you see it says, how the faithful city has become a harlot. Now go down to verse uh, 26. After that, you will call the city of righteousness a faithful city. So now it's pretty clear you've got that same phrase, a faithful city, at both ends of this palistrophe. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now remember, there's going to be steps going yeah. downward, then God's going to speak, and then there's going to be steps going upward. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, how the faithful city has become a harlot, she who was full of justice, righteousness, which lodged in her, but now murderers. That probably is a pretty good indication also that when their hands are full of blood, mm-hmm. the idea of murderers yeah. probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay? All right. Your silver has become dross. Do you know what dross is? That's the leftovers uh, yeah. from the uh, purifying process, yeah. right? And, and notice your silver has become dross. So silver, a mm. very valuable thing. Yeah. And, and it's interesting when you see silver and, and you put a fire under a flame, the, the impurities will burn yeah. off the top. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. Your drink is diluted with water. Oh, the reason that would be is apparently the whole reason you drink is to get some effect from it. And it's so diluted, apparently. Now... There's no effect from it. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chasing after rewards. They do not defend the orphan nor the widow's plea come uh, come before them. So that's back. Yeah. Yep. Back to what we mentioned before, right? Do you see the negative steps going down? Yeah. Okay. Therefore, now we're verse at 24. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the mighty one of Israel declares... I will be relieved of my adversaries. Well, who are the adversaries? Those rebels and the the rulers who are rebels and thieves up yeah. above there, right? Yeah. And I will be avenge. I will avenge myself on my foes. Once again, same same mm-hmm. thing of the, those rulers. I will turn my hand against you. I will smelt away your dross as with lie. So now we're talking about that silver uh, becoming dross. Yeah. Now it's going to be smelt away. Now it says as with lie. I don't. I don't know. It, it, it. So it doesn't say down here that it's silver or anything like that. And I'm assuming lie usually was to get uh, clothes clean. So I. I oh. Yeah. It, I don't know that it is ever used in the uh, refining process, yeah, as far metal. as I know, I other know. than 
you know, so I think this must be talking now about, about uh, you know, some kind of, of impurities in the clothes and stuff like that, oh, I'm okay. assuming. Yeah. But Clint, it's some it's cleaning. It's yeah. it's a removing of and it impurity. still use that word dross. So yeah. that's how you could get that make the connection with up above. Right. Yeah. Right. And I will remove all your alloy. It, back at that time, alloy would have been anything mixed with a metal that made it less pure. Yeah. And so yeah. gold mixed with something else would not be as good as pure gold. Yeah. So that's what that's getting at. And then I restore your judges as at first, your counselors as at the beginning. Remember, uh, she, she was, was full of justice and righteousness what's lodged in her. So he, he's going mm. to take them back to that time when now mm -hmm. the, the judges are going to be like they were at first. Yeah. Okay. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness. And remember. Uh, righteousness once lodged once in lodged her. Once lodged in her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A faithful city and, and how the faithful city. Well. And faithful city, I mean, at the beginning, it's the faithful city has become a harlot. Yeah. But it's returned back to the faithful yep. city. Yeah. So isn't that beautiful? It, it is. See, it, it, now, that's the first one. I don't know if that was the first one I saw, but it did seem like that one was real clear. And you yeah. can see it all pivoted around verse 24. Yeah, the declaration of the Lord, yeah. really. And that he's going to do it. Yep. And a lot of times, you're using the same exact terms in both parts of it. Right. So you can actually catch that that's what's right. going to happen. Now, do you think when people are reading this, maybe when when Isaiah was originally saying it, is this an indication that God's going to just do whatever necessary to do this, whether they're on board or not? Or is this an indication that like the remnant, there will yeah. be people who who obey and then God is going to work, you know, work with them. And that's how this process is going to work work itself out in a way. Yeah, it, it's going to be the latter. But the idea of a remnant only comes around about 750 BC. Before that, you didn't get, mm. it, it, you've got God, like through the wilderness wanderings, it was clear God yeah. was working with all of them. When Achan sins, they all right. get punished. Right. But it, at about 750, you start getting this idea of a remnant that God's going to pull out and that they are going to believe. So God doesn't force people that don't want to believe him to believe him. Mm. But what he'll do is he'll work with the ones that yeah. that love him. And, it's like and a purifying process in yeah. a way. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's brilliant. So so what you've got here, uh, a remnant coming through that's going to be pulled out and God's going to work with them. Yeah. So so the, the wicked people can remain to be wicked, wicked in Israel and they'll get their right. judgment and stuff like that. Right. But the people that are willing to turn, they'll be the ones that God works with. Yeah. And now we're ready for the seam. The seam, in my mind, is going gonna, is gonna to have these three elements. It's going to have a restoration. It's going to have a remnant that's saved, and the wicked are punished. And, and you're going to see this, that same thing about six times throughout the book, where I think a seam pulls together the book, and, and you've got these reiterated. And some of them, like, like this one. Watch when I read this. Yeah. We just got done with this faithful city, right? Yeah. You would have thought, okay, let's stop there. How could it get any yeah. better? Yeah. And then it goes into the bad parts. Like uh, you still got 27 that talks about Zion being redeemed with justice mm -hmm. and a repentant ones with righteousness. There's that idea yeah. of a remnant, remnant. are going to come yeah. through. But transgressors and sinners will be crushed together. So, so we've got the, t the t first two already mentioned in verse 27, the restoration and the remnant saved. All the rest of this is talking about the wicked being punished. 
okay? Mm, uh, yeah. But transgressors and sinners will be crushed together. Those who forsake the Lord will come to an end. Surely you will be ashamed of the oaks which you have desired. I better make sure you understand that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a very specific sounding reference. It, it is. The high places were places that were where Baal and other gods were worshipped. Okay. And, and that's where, what they would do is they would make like gardens up on top of hills mm. With the idea that Baal could bring fertility to the land so that you'd have these gardens and hopefully that would give them the idea that Baal could could do this. He says that surely at some point you're going to be ashamed of the oaks which you have desired. So these oak trees that were planted up on top of these hills that Mm. they used to to tell how Baal was was making everything fertile – yeah. He's there at some point they're going to be ashamed of those. Yeah. At this point they're not. <laughs> right. right? In, right. In, in Israel's history uh at this point they are serving Baals and and yeah. uh, big time. Okay. So is this this is probably the first real reference we get to that yeah. in Isaiah in so Isaiah, far, yes. right? Yeah. That there there's a specific there are specific religious practices that they are following yes. that are against God. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, surely you will be ashamed of the oaks which you have desired. You will be embarrassed at the gardens which you have chosen. Same thing. So the oaks and gardens are are those things they've done for Baal. Uh, And notice that you have chosen. So you've purposely gone after those false gods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for you will be like an oak which whose leaf fades away, or as a garden that has no water. So basically he says they're going to be destroyed. Yeah, these are things that die away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The strong man will become tinder and his work a spark. Thus they will both burn together and there will be none to quench them. Sounds to me like ultimate punishment. Yeah. And, and in fact, the idea of them becoming uh, burning in fire like that, that's actually, you're going to see that same thing at the very end of the book. Hmm. Um, and, and it's very similar. So especially when it says there's none to quench them, meaning that fire will never quit. It's going to continue right. on because there's nobody that's going to save them because the right. wicked have turned They've away from choice. the very one that, that could have saved them. Yeah, yeah. But it goes back to that word that you have chosen. So let your false gods try to protect you. God, yeah. Yahweh's not going to. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, the idea that the strong man will become tender and yeah. his work also a spark. What does that mean, his work? is a, Like his work is what actually will... Yeah. Start this fire almost in a way. Like, is that kind of? Am I reading too much into that? The, like the choices he's is that? Yeah, that's the that's choices what I he's think made. It is. You know, the choices he's made is going to put them is going to start the fire. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that fits very well. It's very condemning. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, I guess. Really. Yeah. yeah. So so did I don't know if you saw it. Mm. There was restoration mentioned. Yes. A remnant saved in mm-hmm. verse twenty seven, and then the rest of it is this idea of judgment yeah. on the wicked. So that meets the three requirements for a seam. Yeah. And this is also the end of the chapter. Yes. Which also means end of the unit. Yes, on, the, on this one for the, sure. This unit, right. Yeah. So, and seams are also used to connect units, right? Yep. So it, it goes over the ideas that were mentioned there, mm-hmm. but then um, it talks about the punishment that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's it's then this punishment is going to be explained even further in the next couple of chapters. So um, mm, it's when, connective when, tissue. Yeah. It's not just a summary of what yeah. we've seen. Yeah. It is connecting to the next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it almost like lays the groundwork for the next thing coming. So yeah. it, it prepares you to know judgment's coming and why and all that. Yeah. 
And, and each one does it in a little different way. So this one was pretty clear. It gave that, that palystrophe on the city, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it starts off with that, that court scene where here's what you guys are right. like, and here's what's going to happen to you unless you repent. And, and he's, he's calling out to them to repent. Mm-hmm. He's a, though your sins are a scarlet, I can make them white as wool. Yeah. So, so it's actually interesting. Here's that offer of cleansing for them. As the scene kind of works here and gets us ready for the next the next thing, what are some things that um, people can be ready for in the next section we're going to? Okay. Read? Well, first of all, um, Zion is going to be redeemed. Okay. So you'll get that image. That's an important thing over again because this we're entering the homework portion of the podcast. Oh, there what we go. People <laughs> need to be thinking about reading next week, so they should probably read. How many chapters should they read? First? Um, I would do two through four. Okay. So for the yeah. next episode, read. Chapters two through four. Yeah. And these are some things you can look for. Zion yeah. being redeemed. Yep. Uh, punishment on the wicked. Okay. That would be real clear. And then the idea of a remnant. Now, in, in chapter four, you'll get that message of a remnant. You don't see it real clearly all the way through because he's, he's talking to the nation. He's trying to get them to repent. So only the ones that will actually repent are going to end up being that remnant. But he still is offering it to them all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the thing that's going on. He's offering it. Only a few will come out of there and, and yeah. actually repent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great way to have worked through uh, <laughs> worked through the first unit, the first chapter yeah. here. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, now, if I was going to ask you now, yeah. what did you learn in chapter one? What, what did I learn in chapter yeah. one? That's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of pieces in here, but it seems kind of, there's definitely hope. Okay. There's definitely okay. hope that's going to come, but things are really, really bad. And it, you do kind of get the, I guess the sense I kind of get is, I'm going to use a lot of New T- Testament okay. I think. <laughs> but there's kind of like the wide path and narrow path. There's a separation okay. coming. Okay. And so this this idea of the remnant coming through, it kind of seems like the choice people are going to have is like, yeah. which are you going to be part of the remnant and be cleaned and then you act this way Good. or you continue to be who you already are, basically. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think those New Testament concepts came from? That's right. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. But that does get in kind of to interesting, yeah. interesting, like, let's say someone's preaching through Isaiah. Cause like, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go, uh, you could probably preach through Isaiah one in a sermon. Oh um, yeah. I, I would, would think, think so. so. But you know, there's a, there's an interesting question I think of like, when you are preaching, how do you bring Christ into this? Mm-hmm. Cause you, I, we don't want to just like, I think, there's probably a lazy way to do this. Mm. Um, so, what would you what would you what would you tell a person who's like maybe preaching through Isaiah one? It's their first yeah. time preaching Isaiah. You know, how do they do that? Yeah, first of all, I'm I'm not always convinced that you have to find Christ everywhere. Sure, but this time I think this is going to come come up, and it's 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 like the foundation here. If you think about it, what was happening is that the people. Were, were doing their ritual. They thought they still, uh, that it still pleased God. And God's saying, no, the offering of the sacrifices doesn't do any good unless your heart has changed. Hmm. It's going to be New Testament that tells them how to, I mean, at this point, they, they how does it change your heart? Well, you start showing kindness to other people. And so it's more right. like it's demonstrated. Right. But it seems like to me, the actual answer is going to come in the New Testament when yeah. Jesus dies for our sins yeah. so that you actually can be cleansed and then you can start doing those things. Yeah. It, it seems like to me in this chapter one, the one element you're missing is, why would I want to start 
Oh, why would I want to start helping the orphan? Or why do I want to defend the weak? Or something like that. It seems like the answer is not quite there. The only answer you really get is out of your love for God mm. and your obedience to God. But I think the New Testament then comes and you got even a better answer. Now right. Jesus comes and changes your heart and then you want to do those kind of things. Right. So it seems like to me, that would be the explanation I yeah. would want to highlight. Christ the is the mechanism of yeah, this. Yeah, of how this is going to actually work. In the Old Testament, it was them loving God and being obedient to God. In the New Testament, you now get the, the, the reason why you'd want to be obedient to God and why you'd want to have those sins taken care of. Right. And I think it's because... Jesus died for your sins. Yeah. So in the Old Testament, it's getting the foundation built. Mm. And then New Testament comes and it gives you all those little pieces you were missing, I think. Yeah. Once again, I would preach it, but I would preach it so that it would explain that this is what they're looking forward to. They're looking forward to the New Testament when mm -hmm. Jesus comes, dies on the cross, and then you have the, out of obedience to him and out of love for him, you want to be kind to the orphan. You want to help the, the weak. Right. Because this really sets up the problem. Yeah. In very vivid terms. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Vivid terms like Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of brutal. Yeah. But it's serious. I, I mean, that's really what it is. You and, know? and the reason it's brutal is because the guys aren't getting it. Yeah. Israel is is wandering on their way, doing these rituals and thinking that they're being pleasing to God because that's what he told them to do. And, and, and he's trying to get the, the heart of it and saying, you're missing something. Yeah. All, these, all these things you're doing are like trampling of my courts. And I don't, I, I'm not going to hear your prayers because your hands are full of blood. Mm. You got to get that taken care of before I'm going to listen to your prayers. Yeah. As people are preparing for the next episode and okay. they're reading Isaiah, is there yeah. anything else maybe that could be helpful for them to, yeah, to that, read or read along with? Well, uh, just be aware of. In, in chapters two through four is what I call an envelope pattern. At the beginning and at the end, it's talking about the future time when Israel is restored and is in God's blessing them and all that. Then in between it, um, mm -hmm. chapter two, five through um, four, one, I think it is, in that time period, you're seeing what Israel is presently like. So, okay. so in the ends, you look at, at the future, what God is going to make of Israel, but in the present, you're going to see how wicked they are. And that's, that's what they need to be aware of. They need to be watching for that. Okay. That's so what I they think, need to be looking for. Yeah. And I think that'll help them. And then I'll try to yeah. next point it out next time. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Thank you for everything you brought today, Dr. Wagner. I want to thank everyone for listening and uh, just invite you all to join us next time as we continue to study Isaiah. Isaiah.